Thou shalt know him when he comes, not by any din of drums, nor his manners, nor his airs, nor by anything he wears. Thou shalt know him when he comes, not by his crown or by his gown, but his coming known shall be by the holy harmony which his coming makes in thee. Amen. I always tell our teenagers during confirmation classes when we're reflecting on the church calendar that it will often feel out of order. And the reason is that because as we all learn sooner or later, life often feels a bit out of order. There will be Advents and Christmases, Easter's and Epiphanies, in our personal lives and in the life of the world, when we are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, the passing of a loved one, failing health, a difficult relationship or a financial challenge. And there will also be those odd Ash Wednesdays and Good Fridays when external circumstances cause us to experience an almost guilty sense of joy and satisfaction a new baby, thriving relationships, professional success. Indeed, the seasons of the church seldom happen to perfectly align with our personal lives or with the geopolitical realities of the day. And this is a beautiful gift, because what this holy and cruciform way of marking time does for us again and again is remind us that we are not the center of the universe, that we are, that one moment of our lives does not define the whole of our lives, that we are part of a story much bigger than ourselves, the unfolding story of God and God's beloved, of creation, of life and death and new life. It is a story of a God who is continually making all things new. And this is a liberating reminder for me this Advent, because it means the call of the season is not to manufacture superficial smiles and holiday cheer. No, not at all. Rather, we are invited to bring the fullness of our lives to the greater story, that our stories together may be transformed through the mystery of the Christ who comes to us and meets us and loves us where we are as we are. And it's just the reminder I need. Because I know that some of you may be having a really dandy Advent. And for that, I give thanks. May God shield your joy. Feel free to read the bulletin for the rest of the sermon. (laughs) But I have a hunch that for many of you, and for me, this holy season is one laced with a complex mix of emotions across the spectrum. At 29 years young, it was a surreal and nostalgic week for me. You see, when I was three, my parents gave me my very own dog for Christmas. It was a beautiful, large, golden doodle. He was the best dog. He never barked, and he was as low maintenance as they come, mostly because he was stuffed. 
he never shed. (laughs) And inspired by his excessively furry and curly coat of hair, I enthusiastically named my new dog George Bush. (laughs) And so... As an only child, he was my playmate, my confidant, my ever-present companion in my earliest days of memory. And so as our nation mourned the 41st president this week with pomp and circumstance, so too did I in some small way mourn my childhood with a gentle sense of grief and reminiscence. Well, as demonstrated in my youthful propensity towards the president, The ways in which the names of the prominent and powerful seep into our individual and collective psyches, governing not only our civic life, but our sense of time and being itself, is profound. Just as my three-year-old self associated the entire zeitgeist of my earliest days with the occupants of the Oval Office, today's reading from Luke's Gospel begins with a litany of names of the powerful leaders who define the times. Tiberius, Pontius Pilate, Philip, Herod, Lysanias, Annas, and Caiaphas. Luke creates an atmosphere of irony and contrast then as these pontifical figures set the stage for a rather unrefined and insignificant wandering prophet John the Baptist son of Zechariah. With locust and wild honey, he points to a coming king and a kingdom not of this world, unbound by time and space, one in which every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth. A kingdom wrought not of strength and sword, but of God's grace and love poured out in the gift of an illegitimate baby, born of a teenage mother to whom will be given the name above all names. Thus it appears that by the measures of this world, we have an out-of-order gospel. An out-of-order gospel. Consider our canticle this morning. During the season of Advent, we sometimes sing one of the scriptural songs associated with Jesus' birth in place of a psalm. And throughout the Advent and Christmas narratives, the actors can't seem to stop singing. Mary sings. Angels sing. Simeon sings. And today our choir led us in the song of Zechariah from the first chapter of Luke. And this song of Zechariah was debuted at the traditional naming ceremony for Zechariah's son, John, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. After months of being muted and unable to speak as punishment from the angel Gabriel for lacking the faith to believe that his elderly wife Elizabeth would conceive and bear a son named John, Zechariah filled with the Holy Spirit, finally sings again on the day of his son's birth. A birth out of order. A birth to the 88-year-old Elizabeth. 
and not unlike an Alzheimer's patient aroused again to dancing and song by the melodies of youth, Zechariah opens his mouth once more to sing out in ecstasy in response to this miraculous event. Much closer to home, Last night, I got word that at age 94, my hero and grandfather, my papaw, is entering his last days on earth as he makes his final journey home to be with the Lord. Not unlike the muted Zechariah, he now finds himself unable to speak, not because of anything as sensational as an angelic reprimand, but simply from having a breathing device connected to his throat. However, he is able to communicate with nods and smiles and writing, and by the miracle of modern technology, I was able to FaceTime with him last night before heading to see him in Tennessee later today. It was so good to see him smiling back through the phone, and as he did, my family reminded me that he regarded my own birth as nothing but wondrous. I was my mother's only child after many years of unsuccessful pregnancies and the first male child in the family in at least 30 years. And so my grandfather uh, uh, referred to me uh, affectionately as his boy baby. I was the apple of his eye. So much that the year I was born, he both retired for good and quit smoking after years of chain smoking cold turkey at the age of 65. In the overflow of love and pride, he has shown me my entire life is what I think about when I consider Zachariah. Where Zachariah and my grandfather diverge is that unlike Zachariah, my grandfather did not welcome me into the world first with shouts of praise for his wife's cousin's kid. If you look again and notice, before John is mentioned, the whole first column of the Song of Zechariah, before John the Baptist is ever mentioned, the first two-thirds of Zechariah's song is devoted to the one we will come to know as Jesus, one who is yet unborn. In an age of so-called helicopter parenting, whereby adults not only dote on their offspring, but all too often live vicariously through them, using their children's successes and failures to keep score with other parents. Can you imagine, in this day and age, celebrating a child's birth by bragging on another parent's kid, especially within the own family? It is exceedingly peculiar. And what is more bizarre is that Zechariah speaks of the unborn Jesus as the fulfillment of God's ancient and timeless promises using the past tense. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people and set them free. He has raised up for us a mighty Savior. It's rather odd. But on second thought... How often do new beginnings give us occasion, if we dare, to absolutely reflect upon the end? A sporting event, a job interview, 
a romance, we can't help but to envision where things might be going. For Zechariah, the fulfillment of God's promise in his son John gives evidence of God's trustworthiness in all God's promises. The fulfillment of God's promise in John fuels his faith in the object of faith itself. Jesus, the Messiah, the one who is coming to set God's people free. The fulfillment of God's promise in John fills Zechariah with the hope and confidence to sing a new song. A song out of order. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked be made straight, and the rough ways smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of our God. A birth, a baby, a promise, a song. This morning, you and I have an out-of-order gospel for an out-of-order world. And John the baptizer bids us prepare for this holy disorder with nothing less than a baptism of repentance. Repentance, a loaded word, but one that means simply to turn, to reorient ourselves to God, who is the source of all life, so that we might allow God to reorder us. It is much less about pulling ourselves up from our spiritual bootstraps and more like a flower turning and opening to the sun so that our hearts and souls may be ready to receive the good gifts of God we could never earn or achieve or conjure up on our own. Gifts of forgiveness, love, peace, hope. And if we experience God and the gifts of God most eminently in this holy season through our relationships with others and the world God has made, which I believe we do, then repentance is as much about turning and vulnerability toward one another and toward community, holding each other's hopes, bearing one another's burdens, allowing the songs and stories of Advent to carry us when we cannot carry ourselves. So my friends, where might you be feeling out of order this Advent? And how might the Spirit be calling you to open your life more fully to the gifts of God in community? Whatever your answer to those questions, may we have grace this morning together with Zechariah and John and all the prophets who point to Christ as their fulfillment, to believe that God can meet us even in those most difficult, out-of-order places, that turning to him with open hearts we may join with all creation in welcoming his reign with songs of true hope and joy. Amen.